I haven't been on here in a minute, very clearly. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm pretty sure we're all in the same boat of I thought 2020 was my year until Miss Corona showed up. And I have made it, you know, very clear on this podcast that I uh, daily <laughs> struggle with mental health issues and, you know, finding motivation and um, sort of trying to keep myself productive and afloat. Um, this this podcast is not a recap of what's happened in my life because, uh, one, that those are – I hate doing those because – who really cares? Um, but this morning, morning, let's have a discussion. Let's have a quick discussion on, are you waking up in the AM? Cause I don't think I've seen the hour of eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock since Miss Rona started passing through. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know what y'all got going on, but for me, I haven't seen it. Don't know her. Um, but last night, early in the morning, like three, four, I fell asleep at five. That's like my bedtime now. Three or four, I was up, uh, thinking, being introspective and reflective. The moon is in cancer as I'm recording this. So that's probably why, uh, what I'm about to talk about is, has been weighing really heavy on my mental because I'm looking at sort of my own behaviors and how I, navigate the world and trying to understand how I, how I got to where I am right now mentally, right? So in the in the return of the Mac and the jump off, uh, I expressed to you guys that I went through a breakup. And uh, if you've listened to this podcast since the beginning, since its first iteration, then you know exactly who that person is. If you don't, I don't think it's relevant. <laughs> Um, the thing that's been weighing heavy on my heart is what I experienced during that relationship and, um, me not realizing what was going on and me not really comprehending what I was going through. Also being, uh, (laughs) like between the ages of 15 and 20, thinking that I kind of knew everything. I mean, I still think I know everything. That's a quality of me that just will not change. I am a very intelligent person. I have a college degree now. So whatever anybody attempts to tell me about anything, uh, unless you have the data, honey, I don't share it. But um, now that I have a degree, I know to ask for the data. Before then, I didn't care what the evidence showed, what the facts of the matter were, what people were actually telling me, what the truth really was um I I refuse to listen so um this is kind of I don't want this to be this is what I don't want it to be and maybe in me describing what I don't want this to be it'll be exactly what I want it to be what I don't want this to be is um some sort of Spilling the tea on my ex-boyfriend. My ex-boyfriend was a piece of shit. I don't want this to be that. One, because um, I, I think that's messy. I think that that's not productive for anybody. I got all my shit off in therapy. <laughs> so I'm good on the I am angry. Um, hear me roar. This guy totally sucks. I don't want to speak to him ever again. But I think the reason why I want to speak on this today is because I've been really into introspection lately. I've been into tarot. I've been into horoscope. Well, I've always been into astrology, but I've been really into tarot. I bought a tarot deck and I've just been doing, you know, random readings about, you know, what's on my mind that day. And um, I, I did a reading on, you know, what the dynamics are of my past relationship and um they're not good (laughs) and they're not good in a like oh this is really not good kind of way it's 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 a ooh, y'all can't even be in the same room together y'all can't even speak to each other that's that's crazy like the fact that both of you are in in total isolation from each other 
the fact you know, you know i'll get into the details in a second but like the fact that we don't speak now is um not common for me i've had falling outs with friends before that resulted in me not speaking to them anymore but um at least they know <laughs> it, it it it's at least they know exactly why you know when the relationship ended i thought i was the problem and i think that's where my issue is is because in all of the things that I dealt with and all of the stuff that I've been through I was made to believe that there was something wrong with me and I'm coming to the conclusion that there's nothing wrong with me there's never anything wrong with me um other than you know the in ingrained shit that is just wrong with everybody uh there was nothing wrong with me individually <sighs> so what I also don't want this to be is a um like a victim's coming forward i am nobody's victim um i don't even want to use the word survivor because i'm trying to grapple with the language that this language of like abuse and manipulation and gaslighting while all of those things are really heavy topics i struggle with finding the language to describe myself um because i don't really listen i have been through a lot of stuff in my life stories that i don't think i have told on this podcast which i will get around to it let me let me get there um i there's just been a lot of stuff that i've been through that i've never disclosed um and that i i in those scenarios i would really describe myself as a survivor you know um but in this relationship, I find myself grappling with the issue of language and the, the problems of blame and uh, issues of circumstance and being an empathetic person while also realizing that I was taken advantage of, while also realizing that I have a temper. While, like, there's just so much that I, I've been sitting and steaming and grappling and journaling about because I have nothing else to do. Please keep in mind that this would not be ruminating on my mind had it not been for quarantine. Had I not been, you know, in my family home, sitting in the same walls that remind me of my high school self, looking at all of my high school and, and middle school accomplishments, all the books that I read, all the clothes that I used to wear, the same fucking mattress that I slept in. Like all of this is, is stimulating thoughts of, if I had to go back and talk to myself at 15, 16, 17, what was I going to say? What, what should, what should I have known? You know, who, who do I think of that person? Um, and that person wanted to be a perfectionist, right? And I think this is where the story starts. That person, I was at, 15, 16, 17 years old, just wanted to make people happy. And she was going to do everything in her power to make sure that people weren't angry at her, even if that meant sacrificing parts of herself. If that meant sacrificing parts of herself physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, sacrificing parts of her personality, of her character, just so that people liked her. The thing is, 22-year-old Isis understands that people are going to like me regardless. I am that bitch. There is no issue here. <laughs> I am a great person. I didn't have to force anybody like to like me. I didn't have to compromise my character to, to have people in my presence that I enjoy and that enjoy me. I didn't have to change anything about myself for that to occur, right? But, you know, back, back in the back, that's what I thought. I thought that I needed to be you know, everything for everybody. Um, and that included the guy I started dating when I was 15. And um, listen, depression and trauma <laughs> and anxiety will do a, a number on your memory. So there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember. And if it sounds like there's holes in my story, there are holes in my story. I think the problem with, with when we talk about people, I guess I can use the word survivor now. When we talk about people who have survived uh, instances in which they are traumatic we kind of pick apart their story like well there's holes this doesn't make sense 
Well, it's like I'm trying to reconstruct a memory that my brain doesn't want me to have. I'm trying to relive something that my brain at the point, at this point, has developed mechanisms to prevent me from remembering, like literally self-preservation. I think with my psychology degree, since I know every fucking thing, um, I think we as the general public, when we hear stories from people who have survived trauma, you know, want a specific, you know streamlined storybook of events but you know our memories are not necessarily episodic in that way we have a lot of flash bulb memories when it comes to trauma so for this relationship that I was in I have quite a few flashable moments where I you know where those could have been turning points right you know when you play like a what's that game those games where you like choose your own adventure and you get to the point in the plot where it's like, okay, you can either go right or you can go left, you know, like in Bandersnatch or whatever. That, those, are the, those are the memories that I have. Memories where I'm like, okay, so should I leave them? Okay, so should I leave? Okay, so but like, should I leave? So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the relationship started as a friendship because that's how I am. And that's how I will continue to be. That's just, you know, my character. That's, that's, that is what it is. Um, and we were young, so there was nothing really crazy to talk about. I think all of the shenanigans happened in college, as does most shenanigans. <laughs> let's, let's be frank here. When you're out of, like, your house and, you know, with, you know, people who aren't really related to you and you're trying to find yourself and your place and where you belong. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of formative shit happens is what I would like to call it. Formative, indeed. Ne- neither good nor bad, just formative. Um, so the first flashbulb memory I have is when, uh, shout out to Creswell, I was sitting in, I think it was my room. It was either my room or the room of some other person on the hall. I can't remember whose room it was, but I think it was mine with some other friends. And my ex was in there and he asked me to leave the room. Not only leave the room, but like leave the building with him to have a discussion. That's excessive. I just, I just... I just want you to understand that you're pro- you're probably interpreting that that like leave the okay leave the room have a private conversation with your boyfriend makes sense to leave the building and baby I lived on the eighth floor I had to take the elevator all the way down go all the way outside it was warm I don't think I had to put a jacket on go all the way outside and not only all the way outside like we weren't just outside the dorm building chatting on the bench no then we had to go past the parking lot all the way down past this river if you know like the backside of Creswell you know exactly what I'm talking about there's like a little walk path over by Legion there is where we had the conversation for people who don't know UGA's uh layout that's a 10 minute distance including the elevator ride because them elevators are slow as hell that is a 10 minute distance. He made me leave my, my, my room that I pay tuition for, by the way, to then have a conversation about how he feels ignored and underappreciated and um, how he, if, if I don't give him more attention, he doesn't know how he's going to go through the relationship. 22 year old Isis is looking at 18 year old Isis like bitch are you fucking dumb you should have left his ass on the fucking bench sobbing you dummy you you have this tongue this lashing this fire in you and you decided to cry I'm an Aries and I'm sensitive about my shit okay don't judge me I'm sharing my story with you you don't have to listen to this okay um but yeah that that was that's the first flashbulb memory is is that instance is him telling me tim i have to repaint the picture him pulling me away from my friends that i am making because it's my freshman year of college and i don't really know any i have like 
him and my roommate, who we went to high school together, but I don't know anybody else. I want to get to know people. I am a social person. I love talking to people. It's my favorite activity. I hate quarantine because I can't do it. Um, to, to tell me that I'm not giving him enough attention. Listen, maybe if he were able to tell his story, he'd give you a different turn of events that maybe he really did feel unappreciated. Maybe he really did feel like I was ignoring him. But optics, baby, this shit don't look good. <laughs> and that's where like my, my empathy comes in. Like at the moment, I'm like, well, this doesn't really make sense. Like I'm having a great time. I thought you were having a great time hanging out with these people, these girls. You're in a room full of girls and you're upset. That's crazy to me. Um. So intelligent women, by the way, I don't hang out with idiots, intelligent, well-rounded, successful women. Um, and you have a problem with it. And maybe he did feel like he wasn't getting, you know, the attention he felt like he deserved. That was not one, the way to do it too, um, appropriate because then I went back to my room and I was, my friends were still in there, but I was upset. And then he left. So then my friends had to deal with my moody ass. See what I'm saying? It, it starts like that. It starts with, oh, you're having too good of a time with your friends. Let me take you away and ruin this. Regardless of what the intention of that conversation was on his part, the impact it had on me was not good, honey. But because... I'm me and I have a lot of empathy and I identify with a lot of issues because I too have issues. I was like, well, his intentions were just to let me know that, you know, this was going on and blah, blah, blah. so I let it ride. Freshman year goes on. I have a very interesting freshman year, <laughs> but you know, I look back on it generally fondly honestly I really enjoyed my freshman year shout out to Creswell shout out to Zoya um so that was that <laughs> and then I come back home in the same home that I am right now in my childhood home and I have like the worst bout of depression I think I've ever had um it was to the point where like I was like spontaneously bursting into tears which is like a really <laughs> bad sign that you know some shit's going on with you um so I I had made the appointment I know I I mentioned to my mom that I, I need to talk to somebody like I'm not okay things are not going well I need to talk to somebody I was really nervous about talking to her about it but she was like okay and took me to the doctor like the next day so even if you think your parents don't agree with therapy, if you have you ever talked to them about it, maybe maybe they think highly more highly of it than than you want to give them credit for, right? We take a lot in about the perception of how quote black parents unquote don't believe in therapy, but like my black West Indian parent made the appointment for me to go because I think she could also tell that I just wasn't I just wasn't okay. So I'm talking to the therapist. And I'm going to see her and, you know, I'm still seeing this guy. And um, this is where we have my second flashbulb memory. And I think this flashbulb memory actually inspired a tweet that I made um, just now, <laughs> which is why this is on my chest. Um, so the tweet was, I spent a lot of time last night the time period of between three and five in the morning that I was talking about earlier, but we're just going to call it the night. Um, last night thinking about how I was prevented from maintaining friendships with other men because somebody made me afraid to do so. So, um, I'm going to talk to you about that event that made me, um, fearful of making close relationships with men. And like, here's the thing, right? I talk shit about men all the time. <laughs> I am very much so a um, feminist who talks about men TM, men trademark, right? The system and institution of patriarchy and sexism and how it operates and functions, particularly at the intersection between blackness and misogyny, right? That's my, that's my shit right there, right? So me not having tons of close relationships 
with men kind of makes sense considering what my brand is, right? Um, and also considering that I, there's just a lot of men that I just, we don't have anything in common. Like, I can't talk about Drag Race or Beyonce with you. So that's, it is what it is. I had a lot of great relationships with gay men because we share similar interests. But that's kind of, you know, it on that, right? Um, but I was afraid to make, to, to, to develop relationships with men that I already had because of this scenario right here. You are not going to believe me when I tell you, but I, it's the truth. So I'm sitting at home watching TV when life's passing me by because I'm fucking depressed. And my ex sends me a text that he's going to smoke weed with his friends in a little nature preserve. I'm like, cute. And, and if you know, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Um, I'm like, cute, have fun. Don't get caught doing illegal shit in a fucking federal <laughs> grounds. But, you know, do, do you, boo-boo. Um, and you know, he's doing his thing. I'm at home doing something. I don't know, probably surfing the web, probably the same shit that I'm doing right now, honestly, just, you know, a little less depressed (laughs) and, um, like an hour, hour and a half, two hours go by, whatever. I don't really keep track of time in that kind of sense. And he sends me a text, um, saying that we need to talk. I want you to put a pin in the phrase. We need to talk. All right. But he sends me a text that says we need to talk. I call him because, okay, we need to talk. Let me just go. Let me just go ahead and hit you up because clearly there's an issue here. What's going on? But because I all I've been doing is sitting at home and going to therapy and just trying to reparent myself and and make myself feel like a little more worthy and a little more like a productive member of society. Really the root of my depression that summer was the fact that I just had really, really, really low self-esteem. Like I didn't really think much of myself considering that I started this podcast saying I'm a bad bitch. You'd you'd have a hard time (laughs) believing that I I didn't really believe in myself like that, but I didn't, I I had unreal, unrealistically high expectations for my own performance that I did not perform to. And as a result, I was sad about it. Um, it is what it is. Right. Um, but he sends me a text, call him like, what's up? He tells me this story. All right. This is the story. He tells me, Hey, Hey, what's up? Yeah, so you know how I went to, you know, the the park to smoke? Yeah, who'd you go with? Yeah, I went with this guy, this guy that you went to high school with, this guy we went to high school with, and this particular guy that she went to high school with. For the sake of um, this story, I'm going to call him um, Angel. Okay, that's the name. I had looked to my left. I saw a book. It's titled Kiss by an Angel. His name is Angel in this story. Yeah, so Angel... You know, we, we rolling up, we talking, chatting shit, having a good time, be, being bros, you know, whatever. And Angel is just rapping this song that has, I fucked your bitch, I fucked your bitch, I fucked your bitch as a lyric. And he's looking me dead in my eyes. And I, I felt like he really meant that. And I'm just on the other end of the phone like, okay, so what's, what's going on? are you okay? Like, are you paranoid? Like, did you get too high? Like, I don't, what's, what's the problem here? He goes, are you fucking angel? Uh, Excuse excuse me. Excuse me, sir. I've been depressed. (laughs) I have been depressed all summer. Okay. And you have the audacity to hit my line because angel looked you too hard in the eye when rapping a, a song lyric. And so the first thing I did, because I heard some foolishness like that, was laugh, because that's so ridiculous. So I laughed, right? And I thought it was a joke. I legitimately thought it was, he was, he was kidding. He was not kidding. So the conversation escalates. He goes, why are you laughing? It's not fucking funny. Are you fucking him? I'm like, no, what are you? what are you what exactly 
possessed you to think that like I just I was I'm pretty sure I was calling him crazy which is not a nice thing to do but I did it because who in their right mind would assume something like that and he's thinking he was just rapping it too hard he was looking at me too hard he felt that too much like there's no way that you weren't fucking him I I don't I don't know if you're a listener to this podcast, but I am a demisexual person, which means that I don't really have sex with people unless I establish an emotional connection with them first. I don't engage in hookup culture. That's just not who I am. I don't look down upon people who do it. I actually kind of envy them sometimes, but you know, it is what it is. So for him to make the assumption that I am having sex with angels, someone who I did have a relationship with in high school, but once college hit, you know, everyone's moving out, everyone's doing their own thing. So we didn't really keep contact outside of like social media, like liking each other's photos and like, you know, bigging each other up in comments. Like it's really not that serious. It was never that serious. So he doesn't like gaslight me into believing that I did it. He, he doesn't have that much power. But what he did do and what I ignored was manipulate me. So the fight really made me distraught and I was already sad. So I brought it up to the therapist I was seeing at the time. I want to make a quick side note. The therapist I was seeing at the time was not that great of a therapist. She kind of brushed off all of my issues because I was so young and because I, she, she essentially said like, well, you're making a big deal out of nothing. It's like, no, no, miss lady. I want to die. This is not a game for me right now. Um, I'm trying to live. I like, there's a piece of me that wants to stay alive. Please help me out. Eventually she got it there, but I think I did a lot of the work on my own in that scenario, that round of therapy. (laughs) So I bring it up to her and she's like, you know, he's manipulating you, right? And I go, girl, you crazy. You think, and my perception of, of my, my ex at that time was not who he was really was now I know who he actually is so it's a little it's a little different now but back then I thought he was just this this extra sensitive protective and that he you know out of his let's be frank out of his delusion um he thought that I did something that I didn't do and she breaks it down to me. At the time, I didn't listen. This is the second flashbulb memory. So this is the second time where I'm like, okay, do I stay? Should I stay or should I go? Like, what's 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 happening here? I decided to stay. Spoiler alert. Um, but she tells me, you know, that's a tactic that people who emotionally abuse others use to keep you from talking to men. And I'm not totally crazy for thinking that of him because I remember after my therapist told me that that is an abusive tactic, feeling really upset by it. So what I decided to do was tell him that like, hey, what you did, like that really affected me. And then I talked to my therapist about it. And my therapist said that that's some stuff that abusers do. And um, the conversation that happened afterward was first an argument. Um, basically telling me that my therapist is wrong and that she doesn't know what she's talking about because, um, she doesn't know him. My therapist had three degrees, by the way, three of them. She was in fact a doctor and a black woman. She just wasn't right for me, but she was a great, she's, she, she's clearly qualified, right? She's not just going to pull some shit out of her ass just because she wants to milk, you know, some money out of me. Like that's. I don't get that vibe from her. She was very unprofessional, though. We'll give her that. Uh, anyway, but yeah, it definitely an argument ensued. And again, I, I, my memory is like not totally piecing all of these things together. Also, this happened years ago. So, you know, there's some details that are out. But I, I remember him telling me that he just he just cares so much about me <laughs> and that he just, you know, wants, you know, he loves me so much that he just wants you know to know that like I'm being as faithful to him as he is to me even though you know emotionally maybe he wasn't all the way available physically he demanded a lot out of me so um yeah the conversation and me telling him that 
what he did wasn't right and him defending his behavior should have been enough for me to say no I'm done with this um but it wasn't so it's not just Angel that he doesn't want you talking to anymore because to be frank like my relationship with Angel like dwindled um it didn't it didn't um really recover after that and to this day I'm kind of scared to tell him what actually happened and and use that to explain you know like our the way our relationship is now because we were much closer when we were younger than you know now um so it didn't only affect that relationship but it affected the relationship I had with all of the men that we that my ex and I were mutual friends with I didn't talk to any of them niggas for a while. And I really only decided to let them back into my life via making a Finsta, which was like my sophomore year. No, it was during my freshman year because I remember I wasn't in SAI yet. So it was during my freshman year. <laughs> but I, I didn't really add them in until like later and the reason why I added them is because I didn't add my ex to my finsta finsta is a fake instagram account by the way I I barely use it these days I usually just use close friends but you know back back in the back of it when close friends wasn't a thing yet um so yeah I I it strained those relationships with the men that I already knew but then it it he whenever he was able to paint a picture of a man that I he knew that I like found admirable or had a fondness for or like was a fucking friend to he would attempt to paint this picture like they are this like they're a weirdo or that they are malicious or that they are you know not a good person there's another person whose name whose name uh, I'm gonna look over to my bookshelf Andrew is the other name we have an a name theme going uh this is the name that I'm using to substitute for a real life person uh <laughs> that Andrew uh actually I I you've heard his voice on this podcast before uh if you if you're a fan if if you're a fan of like the original episodes <laughs> and um he he wanted something out of Andrew that Andrew couldn't provide to him I think my ex had to realize that he had to work for the thing that uh he was asking of Andrew and he didn't want to do that for whatever reason um so in in his in an effort to you know dissolve all contact he created this perception of to me of him that he was like this backstabbing conniving person this you know person who got a little bit of clout and then now is not the same anymore when I think, I mean, I genuinely don't talk to this person also because we would have nothing to talk about. So that's the other thing that like, these are also people that I'm not super close with. But the pattern is that these are all men that I have a fondness for that he knows. So there, there's an issue coming up here, right, that I didn't realize until I was journaling about it and I was talking to my spirit guides about it and like understanding that, nah, this nigga was out to get you, sis. So, um, he, that argument about, you know, me not having sex with somebody that he thought I was having sex with behind his back, cheating on him, right, um, made me fearful of being too close to any other men because is he going to make the same assumption about them too? And I don't want to have to consistently defend myself. So rather than consistently defend myself, I just don't make any relationships with other men. And that's what I did. I didn't make any real relationships with men after that, that I didn't already know. Um, and part of that, again, is because I don't have shit to talk about with a lot of straight men. And bless you, mom. <laughs> and um, the other part of it is that uh, I was afraid that I was going to be made out to be a cheater and I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that energy. I didn't want those vibes. So that happens my summer of my freshman year. That's another flashbulb memory. I decide to stay with him because I my depression is alleviating. 
we're nearing the end of summer school starting back up and I am taking my sophomore year was a lot I think everyone's sophomore year is pretty hard I, I think um, because you're not a freshman but you're not an upperclassman so you can't really do like internships or like well I had an internship my sophomore year but that's just because I'm different honey uh, <laughs> um, but no for real like a lot of people can't really get much done during their sophomore year so a lot of people feel like okay I'm, I'm used to college but there's really nothing to look forward to quite yet um so that's that's kind of where I was I took hella classes uh both Jesus mom bless you <laughs> I don't know if you can hear her sneezing but my mom has this very my mom and my brother have very characteristic sneezes it's kind of hilarious that people in my family say I sneeze like a cat a cat I don't think so but anyway moving on um I took hella classes I looked at my transcript since I <clears throat> graduated with a degree in psychology cum laude by the way is that how you say it I don't know but anyway uh I I was going through my transcript and I had the worst grades of my collegiate career in during sophomore year um and I had a falling out with a like a friend that someone I considered like a really close friend that same year so I was going through a lot already and um I don't really remember him being supportive through a lot of that but I do remember him feeling like I wasn't paying him enough attention again but this time (laughs) it took the form of a depressive episode now I want to make something abundantly clear I have depression okay I also have a degree in psychology so I understand all of the ways that depression can manifest in a person I understand it can lead to irritability I understand it can lead to you know withdrawal from your social things I can understand it can um lead to an increased drug and alcohol use I I get all of that right what depression doesn't do it it does not cause you to manipulate people it does not cause you to hurt other people you are more likely to hurt yourself with depression than you are to hurt other people but I found myself getting my feelings hurt a lot And I had to create an ultimatum, like, I don't know if this is depression that's doing this to you, but you need to get help for this or else I cannot be with you anymore. So that's where I put my foot down for the first time, right? You need to get help, right? I'm working at this mental health clinic. I know of all of these resources that are like free and low cost to you. There is no excuse for you not to get help, right? That's what I tell him. And, um, he decides to get help. So I'm like, okay, things are looking up. Oh, finally. That's great. Right. Um, and this is, uh, this is like kind of the beginning. This is during football season. Everything revolves around football season. If you go to Georgia, by the way, but this is definitely during football season where I tell him like, Hey bro, you are really not a nice person right now. You are not being a good person to me. I don't know what's going on, um, but you, it, I don't think it's you. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it is him. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's you, but you know, hey, you should, you should see some, see somebody about it. See somebody about it. Right. So he goes, start seeing somebody about it. Things start looking up. Things start turning around. I start, I, you know, I'm riding the wave of, you know, being a professional you know, having my first internship, having all these classes, being a, like a full sister of SAI. Upon reflection, sophomore year, I was doing so much and um, I really barely had time for myself, you know, let alone a partner. I don't know how I made time for that. Um, and then, you know, I thought everything was fine until um, winter happened. I remember it was, it's either... I think, no, 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 I know for a fact it was during final season because I was in the library and um, it was really late. I had made myself, actually, no, I bought coffee. I 
found the spot. I sat down, got my shit together. It was like 10, 11 o'clock. It was really late. I was studying for something that I ultimately got to be. That's why I stopped pulling all-nighters. Um, <laughs> but I got a text. And this is this is where when I talk about, you know, people who recount, you know, traumatic events, events that make them feel like shit, that um, a lot of people start to doubt them because we can't get the timeline straight. I don't remember what this conversation started as. Okay, I got a text message from my ex about something. I, I, for the life of me, cannot recall to you what was said. All I know is that I had to leave the building again. So we have a trend here. Leave the building to call him and talk to him about something that I cannot remember, right? He, I hang up on him because I think he's being ridiculous. I think that's something that I recall. And then he sends me a stream of text messages cursing me out. Like, fuck you, bitch, all that stuff, right? At this point, we are in emotional abuse territory, okay? I just I just want to make this abundantly clear for anybody listening, for anybody who disagrees with the fact that this person could do this thing. Oh, yes, honey, we are in emotional abuse territory, right? Don't curse me out. And that was one thing that I made very clear in our relationship. Do not talk to me crazy. Please don't. Because here's the thing. I'm not totally emotionally mature yet the reason why I tell people not to curse me out is because I will curse you back like I will fight you I will put everything down and and run the hands I don't care that at this point in my life I still might do it to be honest with you because some of y'all deserve it (laughs) um but I was really adamant about please do not curse me because I I will lose it on you I will lose it so I sit on the bench. It's cold. I remember my butt was cold. I was wearing leggings. It's cold outside. I start crying because I'm so upset. I don't know what to do. This argument is ridiculous. And I think the fact that I can't remember what the argument was about tells you how unimportant the argument was. I'm so upset that I call. Thank God we still lived on campus. I called my roommate and at it's like midnight. I'm like, are you still up? Like, please just, can you come talk to me? Like, I, uh, I should, what I should have done was pack up my stuff and go home and talk to her. But, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't move. I was, I was so upset. Um, but she's a great person and we lived right across the street from the library. So it, it wasn't really a big deal for her to walk down and, and come talk to me, which I really appreciate. Shout out to you, Michelle. And she reads text messages. And if if you ask her to tell this story, she'll be like, well, I read those text messages. And I was like, girl, looks like you got a decision to make. Because if that were me, it would have been done right there. Um, <laughs> so that kind of tells you um, what she thought. I don't even think she remembers what the conversation was about. And um, I think... Another thing that if you're kind of coming out of, of an emotionally tense situation, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to call it abuse for you because it may not be that. I don't think it was abuse for me. I think it was just a lot of manipulation and a lot of angst. Um, but I think abuse is like, uh, like to call the whole relationship abusive would be a lie. But to say that there were no abusive moments would also be a lie. So um, I think that when your friends are like you should give it up (laughs) hang it up flat screen just hang it up you should hang it up right but I felt like and this is something this is this is a character thing about me that I found out um is that because I had spent so much time in it I felt like I had to stay and that's what a lot of people who go through like shitty situations feel like. Well, I spent all of this time, so I, I have to get a return on my investment somehow. Like I have to get something out of this. Like I'm not just gonna leave. Like I'm supposed to get something out of this, aren't I? Um. 
spoiler alert. If you feel like you haven't got anything out of it yet, sweetie, you got to go. <laughs> you need to leave. Like, you have to go. And I remember having that thought. I don't know if it was freshman year or sophomore year. It's probably freshman year. Where um, I felt like I wasn't getting anything out of the relationship anymore. And I thought about initiating a breakup. And I decided against it. Um, for whatever reason. I really can't tell you a reason why I decided against it. But that the thought did cross my mind, right? So that's that sophomore year is him cursing me out. That's how the first semester ends. Don't remember how the rest of sophomore year went? Guess it was fine. Um, <laughs> and um, then the summer comes. We're still together. And I got a job. So the job requires me, well, required me to, like, work through the summer in order to keep the position and then like if I did good during the summer then they would hire me for the next semester right so I was like I need somewhere to stay like the dorms are closing don't know where I should go (laughs) and he's like well you can stay with me like I'm not paying like I paid the last two months of rent in advance so you don't have to pay rent just I'll make space for you come chill it'll be great it's just two months Because I have this very strict thing about not living with people. This is just a boundary that I have. Probably a result of childhood incidences where I just, I'm not finna live with you. That's just not, no, no. And um, so I was like, okay. So I told my parents. Mom was like, okay. Um, Living with this guy for, you know, the summer. And... This is where, this is where we get a little personal, and I just, I when I tell you this, I want you to know that I'm telling you, not in confidence, but I'm telling you this um, because, oh my god, I'm telling you this because it is necessary for you to um, understand that I, uh, I, I, listen, okay, so. I went through a period where I was experiencing a lot of health issues, sexual health issues, okay? And I, to to this day, you know, like, it kind of started freshman year. I think it was stress, but I really couldn't tell you. Like, this was, this has been a recurring thing. It stopped, it stopped after my sophomore year. My junior year, I didn't have these issues anymore. My senior year, I didn't have these issues. And I don't have these issues anymore right now. So I think I've, I think I've solved whatever the issue was. Um, but I did have like a re- recurring sexual health issue. It was not an STI in case you want to be messy and, you know, stir the pot. It wasn't that. But it was definitely something that was, I think, the important thing that I, I – the, the reason why I'm bringing up that I had a sexual health issue is because I felt like shit. <laughs> um, I, I, and I shouldn't have, right? Because I had dealt with the same issue before and I dealt with it like when I was younger too. This is something that just, it came along with my like periods. So when I started, that's what happened. I started taking birth control and it stopped happening. So, uh, birth control woo, Planned Parenthood support Planned Parenthood anyway uh (laughs) but yeah so wow I really just clicked on air that I my sexual health issues stopped when I started taking birth control so anyway um I you know was going through these issues and I was I felt bad because I felt like I was dirty you know, you know, the, the, sti- the stigmatizing language around, you know, just owning a vagina enough um, to have, you know, a sexual health issue on top of that just made me feel really, really bad about myself. You know, I, I mean, I'd been through therapy, but my self-esteem is real fragile right now. So I but I, I, I was having these issues going through this thing, going to see a specialist for it and everything. And, um, during this time, what I would have liked was just support from my partner. You know, I, it was really taking a toll on me. I felt less womanly. I felt, you know, like I was dirty. Like I just, I just wasn't good enough. Like that, 
th- to have that so- to have something like that reoccurring it's like is this a curse like what's going on right so what I w- would have appreciated from my partner that I was sharing a bed with at the time was uh some support and some you know encouragement but I think we get into this next thing about emotionally unavailable emotionally manipulative people is that if something's wrong with you well that's a you problem right and um my my mental illness was also treated like that you know because I would be like well I have depression and I don't do these things that's not okay and he's like well that's a you problem that's a you thing right that's nothing to do with me and how I act right so these sexual health problems that I was having oh well I mean can we like at least you know can we still do it like is that is that a thing every pamphlet every doctor every website is like do not have sex if you have this issue and I'm like I I really can't like it's not cleared up I don't don't want to risk I it's not an STI but it can transfer to you um and I don't want you having those problems I mean we've kind of you know listen we've, we've done some risky stuff before we don't need to keep risking our lives here uh, <laughs> and he's like oh well okay and then he instead of being like you know normal he just withdraws and there was a lot of withdrawal of affection as a punishment there's a lot of silent treatment as a punishment and I recall many a time in the relationship stating hey the silent treatment is abuse you cannot do this to me you cannot stonewall me you I'm not gonna allow you to do this but in my fervor of not allowing somebody to try me I didn't realize that I was gonna I was letting the cycle continue because I didn't end it right so he's stonewalling me he's giving me the cold shoulder because I not won't have sex with him but can't have sex with him see see the difference one is a choice one is an inability I have an inability to do this thing and you're mad at me for what why I don't understand and um that summer was stressful and we even took him on family vacation to Disney and he was stressful he was visibly irritated by my family which I don't understand because if I'm not irritated by my family you don't need to be irritated by my family okay like listen (laughs) very visibly irritated very like humglum and I'm like we're in the happiest place on earth and you're like this and part of me is like I don't is it the depression or is it the fact that my attention isn't on him because at this point I can't tell the difference and um Again, you can have a mental illness. There's nothing wrong with having a mental illness. What's wrong is allowing your mental illness to treat other people like shit. And what was happening is that because I had to withdraw something from him, because I had to divert my attention, because not all of me was available all of the time for his access, I wasn't good enough. Which leads me to junior year. So junior year starts, junior year, I move into an apartment, right? So I'm on my own, I'm independent. I'm having a good time. Uh, the Lodge, I'm I'm gonna I'm a name names here because they deserve it. The Lodge can kiss my ass, but I had a great time <laughs> living with one other roommate in a small apartment, you know, off campus, living my life, right? Very cute. Um, I think... Yeah, I think junior year, first semester was a great semester. Even in my relationship, I thought it was a fine semester. Uh, I had gotten accepted to study abroad for the spring semester, my junior year. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, (laughs) The spring semester of my junior year. Um, So I was was spending all of the first semester really, you know, making sure I got my grades like solid, that I was getting all of the super hard classes out of the way. I think I was taking research design or something like that. Uh, and stats and like some other things um so I was really you know trying to get you know my shit cleared so that when I pull up in England I can just chill I did not know that England was that difficult but you know we didn't we're not there yet so you know the semester is actually going fine I don't have any flashbulb memories other than 
another depressive episode from him. And this time, I think it's really serious. I think I'm going to speak on this episode um, minimally because I, I really think that he was genuinely going through some stuff at this time. And um, considering the, the, the things that came after him expressing to me his, his feelings about his life and himself and that, you know, me emphasizing like, hey, you should go talk to somebody else about this. Like, I can't really help you. And then, you know, what resulted after him talking to somebody else, I don't really think I'm going to say what he said. But what I will mention is the timing. Because you don't, here's the thing, you don't develop feelings like that overnight, right? Um, you just realize you have them. So, like, I mean, you don't just realize you have them. Like, you have them. They're, they're there. You know, they develop. You get to a breaking point. I think that's where he was. He was at a breaking point. But I just, I just find that the breaking point is really convenient because the breaking point was a month before I left. Right? A month before I decided to... Okay, so everyone in my family just decided to make noise and do shit. So if you hear um, noises, I'm sorry. It's my family home. It's really why I haven't been recording because there's something going on all of the time. But, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, I was talking about how um, the timing of, you know, a mental breakdown around the t- a time where I'd be leaving the country for three months with a person who has a history of of demanding all of me all of the time is um, problematic at the least and so emotionally manipulative and abusive at the worst right I hate to assume the worst of people but like you know, when you hear a story like this, when you like look at all of the isolated incidences and realize they are not isolated, they are part of a pattern, that there are trends that are occurring here, that, you know, at some point you just have to be like, nah, you suck. Like, you're not a good person. And, you know, I think the breakup, I think, actually, here's some things I know for a fact, right? So I had a the time of my life when I studied abroad um still miss it to this day still talk to people from that trip like they're my bestest friends in the whole world because they are and I come back I get broken up with right ah here's the thing here's the here's the gag and I think that's why there was so much anger latent in me that I didn't realize because the fact of the matter is I went through all of that shit and still got broken up with. <laughs> I went, I suffered through all of that emotional manipulation, all of that conniving behavior, all of the rudeness, all of the curse outs, um, all of the anxiety. I told you to put a pin in um, the phrase, uh, we need to talk, um, and I never came back to it. Here's, here's why I put a pin in it. I would consistently, it, there was a pattern of me telling him things that I didn't like and him continuing to do it. Didn't like when he, you know, he would be mad at somebody else and he would transfer that anger on me. Didn't like it. He would continue to do it. I told him that the phrase we need to talk, there's something we need to talk about is triggering for me because of some stuff that I experienced when I was younger that had nothing to do with him. I was like, can you just not use that phrase? Like if, if we need to talk, then just talk to me. Just start the conversation. You don't need to be like, we need to talk and then build all the suspense and then make me really anxious and then make me feel like I have to go see you. But that was the, that was the plan. That's why he did it, because he wanted me to feel anxious. He wanted me he wanted me to be thinking about him all day. And then he wanted me to be like, you know, run to him whenever, you know, it was time to talk because we never spoke on my time. It was always on his time. Everything was always on his time. And whenever there was a falling out, I was always the first one, you know, initiating the conversation after a period of of the cold shoulder or stonewalling. It was always me. So to (laughs) go abroad, have time of life, come back and then get broken up with like that, honey, listen, when I tell you 
that you need to prioritize yourself and your mental health and to be happy in all the relationships that you have, friendships or romantic. I mean that shit. I mean it with my whole heart because there was no reason why I suffered for like three years and still had my heart broken. I should have been the one breaking hearts at that point, right? If if we're being realistic, that should have been me. But because of, of, of messages that I got from the media, right, of, of, you know, being relationship goals, I always hated when people said that because I felt like they were putting an expectation on me and we know me and my perfectionism. And I feel like I have all of these expectations of other people to uphold. So it's like if I can't keep my relationship together, then again, that is something wrong with me. And then I realize that there is nothing wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with you either. <laughs> right? Because somebody, you know, refuses to apologize to you for the things that they did. Because somebody, you know, you know, wants to make themselves out to be a perpetual victim because that's what they're accustomed to, because that's how they get attention, right? That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me, right? It doesn't. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you either. I thought that because I hated being a victim, that I hated being made out to be have people feel sorry for me, that I hated um, looking to people and being like, um, I hated people looking at me and being like, oh my gosh, she's so wounded. I should help her. I hated that. I've grown to, you know, allow people to help me when I need help. But I think he used that to his advantage and used that to, you know, keep me isolated from telling all of my friends, you know, all of the crazy shit that he was doing. Because I'm still telling my friends, my best friends stories till this to this day of stuff that he did. And when I tell him the story, I'm telling it, you know, when you tell somebody something traumatic that happened to, to you in your childhood and you think it's normal and then you tell the story and then all your friends are looking at you like, bitch, that shit's not fucking normal. That's how I would tell stories about this relationship. I would tell them as if they were normal and then people would look at me and be like, bitch, you were, you were abused. That's not fucking normal. That's not okay. That's not healthy. That's not, you know, whatever the case may be. And I had no idea because I was made to feel like if I, you know, invited people in, if I asked for advice, then, you know, I wasn't being true to him for whatever reason. Yeah, there was a lot of shit, man. <laughs> it was a lot of shit. And um, I felt compelled to talk about it because I don't think we talk about what happens to strong people when they've been hurt enough um I don't think enough women talk about their stories of emotional manipulation and emotional abuse enough and I think that's why it happened to me is because I didn't know what it looked like um if you ever have to wonder if someone's in love with you they're not that's something I I would have told myself a year ago to be honest with you well a little over a year now it's been a little over a year since I've been single um, that's been fun, by the way. <laughs> um, spending time with myself, for myself, by myself, really nowadays. But you know, even when I could go outside, <laughs> it was it was fun. Um, I got I got way more comfortable with with myself than I had ever been before, and I think because you know I was in a relationship that demanded so much of me all of the time that I I never really got to get to know myself. I know so much about this nigga when I tell you I know so much about this nigga like too much about this nigga I could end this nigga's life if I was petty we're not gonna do that today (laughs) but you know what I'm saying like I, I know so much but like I didn't know nearly enough about myself and I think now I know a whole lot and that knowledge has allowed me you know the the strength to be able to be like this is fucked up what happened to you is fucked up and you shouldn't have to sit in silence about it. You shouldn't have to, for the sake of other people's um, idea of myself, for the sake of other people's beliefs about me, for the sake of this other person, 
you shouldn't have to silence yourself. At the end of the day, if that nigga did not want to be talked about like this, he wouldn't have done the things that he did to me. And that's just that on that. So, uh, don't think I'm coming back. I'm probably not. <laughs> well, no, I'll do an update episode about quarantine. And there's been some things that have been happening surrounding cancellation and uh, the brutalization of black people that, you know, it's been weighing heavy on my heart. But I think I have to talk about, I think what's more important to me is me and my story and what's been weighing heavy on my heart since I've been in my house. And I think that's one thing I've learned whilst being alone and single is that I matter the most. I ain't got shit if I don't have myself. Voice and tone says, I always got me. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, you know. Single Black Dot is an enigma. She's a thing. And um, she's here. And I'm, th- I'm thankful that you're listening. And um, I really appreciate anybody who took the time to listen to this whole thing and understand you know, my side of the story, I guess. There really isn't a story to tell, but I think breaking my, you know, policy of privacy when it comes to like my relationships, I, I think, I think it's overdue. I, it's been, it's, I've sat on it long enough to be able to speak about it in a very coherent and, uh, well, I hope it's coherent and um, concise way. So I love you and you should love this podcast too. You ain't shit, your dog ain't shit, you got a cute nephew, but his uncle a bitch, whoop, whoop, somebody call the whole police, and your granny ain't shit, makes you rest in peace, cause you done pissed off a petty bitch, a petty bitch, well I hope you fucking ready bitch, get ready bitch, I'ma hack your computer, I'ma egg your house, I don't do cardio, but I'ma run my mouth, I'ma hide in your bushes so you scared to come out, let everybody know that you use me for cloud, cause there's a whole lot of miles on that Honda, you done rolled every Anaconda and Wakanda, you ain't shit, and your mama ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit. And your mama ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit. And your mama ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit. And your mama ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. You ain't shit.